Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We're still quarantined, and I hate it. Still missing Disney. Hopefully, we get back soon. If we're not back by June, we're probably never going back. I'm going to start gearing up to be like Eli from the Book of Eli. If you haven't seen that movie yet, go watch it. It's pretty awesome. But it's such a bummer that I haven't been able to go to the parks. I miss it so much. But it's all good because this week's guest has played in an awesome band called Gravemaker. He's a hip-hop producer, part of a group called Suicide Kings, and now plays in a new band called Trench out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, which I'm super high on. If you remember a while back, I had on the singer of Trench, Jay Breen, super awesome dude. And when I was told about the new record, Blossom, I was really interested to see what direction they would take. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing. It's uh, metalcore with a little bit of experimental stuff in there, which I love. I love when bands do different things and want to create new sounds and incorporate it into their music. It's really fun to listen to, and I'm really high on that record. I told people that they should check it out, and I'm telling you guys now, it's a big part of the reason why I wanted to have Cole on. We timed it with the new record, and it was just great to talk to him. And one of the things that bummed me out was after we got off air, and I think he'll be okay with me sharing this, we had gotten off air, and he mentioned that he wanted to talk Disney with me. And I was like, what the hell? Like We should have talked about it uh, on air. We could have gone like way longer. And we came to an agreement. We're actually going to do another podcast in the future, but it's going to be Disney related, which is really awesome. I love doing that stuff. So if anybody out there who ever wants to talk Disney with me, feel free to bring it up because I could go on for days about it. I live and breathe it. It's literally something that I love to talk about and I love it. I'm on Disney Plus every day. Thanks, Garrett. Uh, I'm literally at Disneyland as much as I can be, hitting the other parks around the world as much as I can. So it's super fun. But he told me that off air and I was a little bummed, but it's all good. Uh, but I, I definitely had a great conversation with Cole. We covered a lot of topics, uh, talked about uh, his old band, Gravemaker, that I was a huge fan of, huge fan of even his hip hop stuff that he has going on and all about the new record, Blossom from Trench. So I really enjoyed that conversation and I hope you guys do too. So please, without further ado, welcome Cole to the podcast. and we're live welcome to the podcast hello thank you for having me my friend dude this is awesome uh i remember i had on jay breen like a, it was a while ago uh, it feels like ages and I, I i know that he had mentioned uh about having you on the podcast and i know spencer has mentioned having you on the podcast so i'm, I'm stoked that we're finally here and able to do this Nice, man. Yeah, I'm stoked to uh, be on the podcast. I listened to the the one you did with Jay, um, and it was great. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, thank you for having me. For sure. And I, I kind of want to start like way back. Um, you used to play for an old band called Gravemaker. Yeah, I did. Um, 
I started playing Engravemaker around 2009-ish. So right around when I graduated high school was when I started playing Engravemaker. So that was uh, very much back in the day, but a very pivotal time in my musical endeavors for sure. And can you talk about how you uh, linked up with that band? Yeah, so I was playing in a band called Horizons. Um, It was with a couple boys from Kelowna and myself, and we were just kind of touring relentlessly. Uh, We did a few tours and shows with Gravemaker, I believe, and uh, it was through that that I just met those dudes. And um, yeah, they were going through a guitar player transition at that point, Gravemaker was, so uh, Bailey reached out to me and asked if I was kind of interested in the gig and uh, let me know kind of what it entailed. And, uh, you know, Gravemaker was was touring pretty heavy at the time and definitely on a on a they had their path set out for them. You know, they were relentless. They they really wanted to go hard. So uh, I was up for the the challenge. And that's how the whole Gravemaker thing came to be, I guess. And I remember with that band, they hit the scene pretty hard and it felt like they were a local band because I, I would see them so often like I, I remember traveling all over California to see them saw them in Arizona a couple times saw them in Nevada and I remember I was actually fortunate enough to catch them in Denver it, it was pretty insane to be able to see that band yeah they were uh it's funny you say uh they felt like a local band because they felt that way to me too before I was in the band they were always playing my area or, or somewhere close on, on some tour or by themselves. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a beautiful thing to be able to play so many places so many times with that band. Uh, they just played so many shows in a year that you, you know, Denver, California, doesn't really matter where you were in the States. Gravemaker was usually there every four or five months. I feel. I have this uh, funny story. So my first job that I, I ever had, I worked in the grocery store. I got that job when I was 16 and I worked there for like a good three years. And I, I remember I'd gotten into a dispute with the store manager. So I was just like, you know what? I was just like a young angsty teenager. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this job. I'm going to quit and find something else. And I remember Gravemaker was playing a show in Arizona and my friends were like, hey, like we should go to the show. And I, I, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I've worked today, but fuck it. I'm just going to quit. Like I'm already over this job. I'm just not going to show up. And <laughs> I remember I was so nervous and I, I, I didn't tell my mom. My mom was under the impression that I went to work, but literally I drove down to Arizona to, to hit this gig to see Gravemaker. And I remember they, they played in some park. I'm not even sure who booked it. I think it might have been my buddy Jeff who booked it. But yeah, they, they played in like a gazebo. It was like this um, crazy place. But I, wow. I'll, I'll never forget yeah, just driving down there being like just so full of like adrenaline. So I'm like, holy shit, I just quit my first job. I'm going to like a hardcore gig, going to go see this awesome band. It was, it, was, it was a crazy moment and I'll never forget that. Yeah, no kidding. That's awesome, man. Like th- those were the days, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Like, I feel like people have those stories back then. And, uh, maybe it's just cause I'm older now that I don't just, uh, you know, I, I can't just quit my job to go to one show, but back in the day, absolutely, man. 
Um, I would quit my jobs to go on tour. You know, we would uh, definitely compromise jobs and relationships to make it happen. So I feel you on that one for sure. And if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? Uh, I just turned 31. Oh, dude, we're uh, the same age, which is insane. Because I always looked at when I was younger, whenever I see bands on tour, I just assumed everybody was like way older than me because I was like, oh, oh, shit, like. This is like their gig, you know, like they're (laughs) literally traveling the country doing this. Like they have to be older. They have to be like, you know, way more like established. That's crazy. I I had no idea. Yeah, no, I was I was a young lad when I was in Gravemaker for sure. Um, Again, it feels like a different almost lifetime ago. Like that band taught me so much as far as uh, music, the music industry and uh, touring and just booking shows and everything, you know, so it almost feels like a different lifetime. Uh, I'm very grateful to be able to have played in that band when I was as young as I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it definitely shaped kind of how things panned out to how they are now for sure. And the band uh, eventually broke up. And for some reason, I can't remember the actual like timeline of you guys breaking because like the last thing I remembered was there was the signing to victory and then I just, I, I just draw a blank. It's like so far back in my mind, I, I can't even remember. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you my recollection of okay. it because, uh, I wasn't necessarily in the band until the very end. I, I ducked out before their last, one of their last tours. It was a tour in Europe with comeback Kid. I think they were doing. Okay. Um, so we signed to victory, uh, we released the record ghosts among men and we immediately went on a tour with terror and that was like a full us like i want to say it was a it was a long tour it was a pretty extensive tour um and then it was shortly after that that i left the band and then they did europe and then i think they didn't do a ton afterwards but i'm not sure like i don't recall gravemaker ever having like a absolute we're breaking up and you know, like I don't recall them ever playing a last show or anything like that. So who knows, man? Yeah. <laughs> like Gravemaker could, I don't know, one day be a thing. I think that would be super sick. You'd, yeah. Cause uh, the only person that I, I still kind of hear about, or I'm um, you know, here that that's still around is uh, Bailey, but I'm not sure like where any of the other members went. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Bailey, um, maybe like two years ago now when he was playing bass for Zabalba mm-hmm. and they played uh, My City, Calgary. And I saw him then and we vibed out and had a great time. And uh, yeah, he's still doing his thing. He still runs Overcast Print and Design. So I know he's still very active in the industry, maybe not necessarily on a like Gravemaker standpoint, but yeah. he's still he's still doing his thing for sure. Okay, and uh, do you ever know what happened to the singer, John, if I remember correctly? Yeah, so, um, I mean, John, great guy. He's awesome human. Um, he got into the elevator game, I believe. Like, he's doing some real big stuff in there now. And I saw him, funny enough, Trench played Vancouver, um, I don't know, five or six months ago now. And I saw him just on the street me and him just walked by each other and we were like, Hey, what's up? And we caught up for 10 minutes and it was really nice. And he, he always comes out when we play Vancouver and stuff. So yeah, John's in Vancouver doing his thing. And, uh, forgive me, but I'm not familiar with the elevator game. 
so he's like an elevator tradesman, I believe, from when we last. He builds elevators, like literally builds elevators. Okay, because that buildings and stuff. Interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. Through the word like woodwork, like I would talk to people and you know kind of ask around and like last I heard and I don't even know if it's true, but somebody's like, yeah, he works out in like the oil fields, like just being buff and doing like you know oil stuff. Yeah, maybe he like he might have done that back in the day, but okay, I know he's he's like in his industry in the elevator industry. That's one of the um, kind of more thriving industries in Canada. Interesting. Uh, it has been one of the more thriving trades for for a long time, I think. So it's just a good industry to be in. And um, yeah, he has a couple of cute dogs uh, that I, I saw when I saw him on the street there, a couple of, uh, I want to say they're pugs. I don't know. They might be mixed, but super cute dogs. And yeah, he's living, he's doing good. That's so strange. Just randomly on the street, you just see John and you're like, dude, what's up? Yeah. Literally on the corner, just walking down the street. So it was a really nice catch up. That dude just puts me in a good mood every time I see him. Yeah. I think a lot of people would say the same thing. That guy's like, uh, just kind of a positive aura. That's what I remembered from him. I'll never forget. I had this interaction with him. Like it was probably before or after the set. He kind of came up to me and was like, "Dude, where are you from?" And I was like, "Like what? Like what do you mean?" Because like I was surprised he was even talking to me. He's like, "Dude, I, I see you everywhere." And I was like, "Oh, I was like, actually, I'm from like Southern California, but you probably see me like you know around these parts because like I'm you know into the band." into the tour package. So like, I'm, you know, skipping around just trying to see it as much as I can. Totally. Yeah. He's, he's like the nicest guy ever. Um, he's just super friendly, always down for a combo, you know? So yeah, I love John. He's a good dude. We don't talk, um, like super, super often, but it's really awesome that I can see him randomly on the street and just kind of pick up where we left off catch up it's good to see that he's just killing it in life right now so yeah okay so there is a small chance maybe down the road in uh calgary maybe vancouver who knows Gravemaker will you know pop up and do a gig yeah man i would like to see it like even whether i'm involved or not i think it would be cool and i think that band resonates with um a lot of people our age and uh yeah I think that would be that would be cool, and if it didn't happen, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? but, yeah. The, the, uh, I wouldn't be mad if that was a thing that happened eventually. Okay. Yeah. Same here. I'm I'm definitely in that same boat because it, it is strange that there wasn't really like a final send off uh, for the band. But who knows? Maybe sometimes that's uh, you know the, the better way to go instead of making a big deal about breaking up. Just kind of just letting it go and you know just letting it be what it is. For sure. Yeah. Um, there's no nothing bad about doing it that way for sure like uh kind of just leaving it open-ended for a potential you know future show or maybe not but so, but not saying anything leaves everyone guessing which is kind of cool in its own way okay well I, I appreciate you willing to go back and talk about um your old band uh and obviously um for people who, who, who don't know um i, I want to talk about uh you are involved with uh, Suicide Kings? Yeah, yeah. So I'm involved with Suicide Kings. Um, that is... So basically, the reason I left Gravemaker was to start doing more production stuff. 
okay. musically. So I started getting more into the production side of things. Uh, specifically, I started getting into making beats. Um, I started getting quite serious about it to the point where I was like, I kind of want to focus on this. So I really did like stop everything that I was doing and focus on that. And through that, I started Suicide Kings with my friend Joe from Detroit. And uh, yeah, it taught me a lot about like a different side of music that I wasn't necessarily used to as far as like the touring game and stuff. I was really used to like hopping in a van and going on a 12 hour drive either which way and just really, uh, you know, it's just totally different musical experiences and uh, almost a different listening demographic too, you know, between hip hop and some heavier hardcore stuff. So I know there's definitely a crossover, but uh, there's, there's, hip hop has its own audience as does hardcore as well. So, uh, it was a really interesting experience to explore hip hop further coming from the hardcore and metal world. But yeah, suicide Kings is my thing. And, uh, you know, that's what kind of, I, it's still very, um, we're still busy and we still do it to this day. So I'm lucky to have that going as well as trench. So I'm, uh, Real curious, and I'll get to trench. I'm building up towards that. Uh, Suicide Kings, where did the interest come from you wanting to, to make beats? Have you always been a fan of hip-hop growing up? Yeah, I've I've always been a fan of hip-hop. Funny enough, like I've always been a fan of hip-hop and heavier music, but mm-hmm. yeah, I really got into hip-hop when I was younger. Uh, I got super into Dre and Nas and... Uh, Dr. Dre 2001 was the first record I ever owned. Okay. Um, so I think I was 10 years old when that came out cause that came out in 2000. So yeah, we were 10 or 11 when that came out. So very pivotal times in my life listening to that, but also listening to, you know, Slipknot, uh, Korn, some heavier stuff. Like I was even dabbling in like Tool and stuff like that. So uh, just all over the map, but always had a love for production as far as that. Like I would never rap in my life. Uh, that's not something I could ever do. I just don't have that in me to do, but, uh, making beats and composing and piecing together, uh, samples and drums and stuff like that. That was more my lane. And I always nerded out on my Mac, just doing that stuff in GarageBand or logic or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, I remember like t- on tour with Gravemaker in the back of the van, just making beats and they would hand me the aux cord, toss it in. And we would just bump my beats while we would drive sometimes. And, uh, like it was just always something I did for fun. So yeah, it was a natural progression for me to take that more seriously and really, um, expand my production side and see what I could do with that. So how do you link up with your buddy from Detroit? Cause, uh, you're in Canada and Detroit uh, is like really far from where you're at. Cause you're in Calgary, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in Calgary, um, which is Western Canada. Mm. Um, Detroit is quite far from where I am. Uh, it's closer to like Windsor, Ontario, like Ontario is pretty far. I'd say that's like a 30, 40 hour drive from where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm closer to Vancouver. So, um, 
how Jay and I linked up was I was on tour with terror. I was on that terror tour I was speaking of earlier and I legit met Jay outside of the show. Uh, he was mentioning Calgary and I was, my ears perked up because I was like, why are you mentioning Calgary? <laughs> We're yeah. nowhere near Calgary. We're yeah. in Detroit, you know? So I just went over and asked him, yo, I'm from Calgary. What's going on? I heard you say Calgary. And he ended up moving here. And uh, we, he was a rapper. He gave me his mixtape that night. I remember that because I told him I made beats. And he was like, man, I rap. And he gave me, he had a CD on him that okay. night like he just like pulled it out of his bag wow, he was ready. like here you go i rap <laughs> so it was uh it was almost like the stars were aligning that night uh he moved to calgary he hit me up shortly after and you know we kind of just turned that into into suicide kings and we really went hard at it you know we were uh, working our jobs and doing suicide kings any other second we possibly could and really nurturing that project and it turned into something pretty cool and it still exists to this day so many years later which is awesome so be honest when he handed you his mixtape did you listen to it yeah i did i mean i didn't listen to it till i got home but i did listen to it because uh there's something about being a producer you want to hear you definitely don't want to hear something that's going to rattle your eardrums over your beat. Like you want to hear something that you would enjoy over your beats. Uh, mm. So you got to listen to the the mixtape before you you work with them, right? So uh, yeah, I definitely listen to it, and he's good. He's always been a great rapper. Like he's um, kind of a cut above the rest. I feel as far as lyrically and flow wise, and just work wise, like. He, that dude's a workhorse and just knows how to make it happen and get stuff done. So, uh, yeah, mad respect to Jay. I think, uh, from the get go, he has been a real, uh, kind of rapper, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that's a very, um, there's a lot of people involved in hip hop right now, whether it's at a, I rap on a YouTube channel or I, release multi-platinum records i think it's just a very congested industry so to stand out a little bit like like jay does lyrically was caught my attention for sure so it was no question i was like let's go let's do this okay because i i can't tell you the countless times i'm like leaving the grocery store you know get approached by a dude with like you know a backpack and be like hey can you buy my mixtape and I'm just like, um, you know, I'm literally like leaving the grocery store or like um, whatever store and just trying to get home and like, you know, being approached by these like random people trying to sell me their mixtape or trying to get me to listen to their mixtape. I'm just like, fuck, like, I don't have time for this. Like, I just want to go home. But then there's been times where like I've gotten to my car where I'm like, fuck, like, what if that guy like has it? Like, what if I just like skipped over like the next like great rapper? Um, for but, sure. Yeah. But, but it's so like there's so many people doing that, right? That mm -hmm. it's hard to, it's hard to almost take it seriously because you're like, man, I'm at the Safeway or the whatever, the grocery store, and you're mm -hmm. just coming up to me, like pushing your tape on me. It's almost hard to take it seriously, but I'm sure there's diamonds in the rough for sure. But that's what I mean. It's a very congested uh, genre of music. There's a lot of people really trying to do it within hip hop for sure. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm a huge fan of hip hop, and I I always get in uh, debates with my buddy Johnny because he uh, gives you know hip hop rap it, it, it's pretty vast, and there's so For many sure. there's yeah. so many different like subgenres and artists like you know popping up you know um, every day there was like you know different eras, and he's like in like one section of like rap. And I, I get what he listens to. I, I understand like where he's coming from. And then I'm in like the opposite corner and like we always kind of go at it. And, you know, we like accuse each other of not really knowing about rap or what's going on or who's listening to like the better stuff. And I always think it's funny because um, obviously I'm, I'm not changing his mind and he's not changing my mind. We both just listen to the same type of music, but it's just so different. And I always think it's just great to be able to, to talk about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's so many like subgenres of hip hop music now um that it's easy to both be huge fans of hip-hop and rap music while listening to totally totally different spectrums of of music uh so yeah no i feel that for sure me myself i really like everything man i love like super super trap stuff and i love like the classic era boom bap um yeah i'm all over the map with my hip-hop stuff so uh, but that's kind of the, the beautiful thing about making beats is, I mean, you can kind of explore all of those avenues. Mm. Like if you're feeling in a trappy mood, go ahead and make a trap beat. It might sound cool. At least you're, uh, being creative with it, you know, even if you don't do anything with it, but yeah, hip hop is a great genre to listen to because there's so much out there. You're always being fed content. So when it comes to you, um, you and production, are you um, just sending out packs to random people or are you only working you know, for Suicide Kings? Like, how does that go when it comes to you and your beats? Yeah. So um, Suicide Kings, I mean, I met a lot of the people I make beats for through doing Suicide Kings and through meeting them playing shows and stuff like that. So uh, I work with a lot of people that i've just met through the grapevine for the most part so mm. um i haven't been sending out too many random packs that's not something i've been doing as of late um yeah i always try and reach out to rappers that i know or they're friends of friends that i want to work with uh or vice versa you know rappers reaching out to me because they met me through whoever um my homie Dustin Packer, who plays in Ill Intent, shout out to Ill Intent. Like he, that dude has been intertwining me and all of his rapper friends who are really, really good. And we've been working together just because that guy like sent a text message, you know? So yeah. uh, it could be, it's, it's mostly like that for now, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I definitely am never opposed to throwing a pack on like my SoundCloud and directing people to it if they want to work for sure yeah okay for sure uh, i was just curious about that and last yeah. thing about the um like rap and hip-hop uh right now uh you're from canada uh you know drake's from canada arguably like you know on the mount rushmore when it comes to rap hip-hop uh would you agree do you like drake i'm, I'm, I'm real curious to hear your stance yeah um you know i do like drake i think he's dope <laughs> like that guy is versatile. Um, he has a great voice. Uh, he's, he's good at writing rhymes and he's good at picking beats. Um, clearly that dude has built a legacy for himself. So 
Yeah, I, I don't know if he's on my personal Mount Rushmore, but I would say he represents Canada really well, and uh, I think he's like incredibly talented. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't bump Drake here and there. You know, like I I think his production is through the roof. Like that guy gets unreal beats, and his stuff always sounds amazing. So yeah, I, I dig Drake for sure. Uh, I I would say if he was on Canada's Mount Rushmore. Uh, that that's a thing definitely Canada's Mount Rushmore because there's not many rappers on Canada's Mount Rushmore <laughs> okay for sure yeah I, the only other um, person that I'm like really big on like when it comes to, like like the more popular stuff is uh, uh Tory Lanes. oh yeah Tory Lanes is dope he's um he's released some amazing stuff lately and I had the chance to see him live a few times now and he's really good uh, he like climbs all over the ceilings and like jumps from the rafters and stuff like he does like more of a hardcore adjacent live show to be honest with you yeah there's some uh like you know hip-hop rap shows that like i've gone to and i'm just like dude the energy in here is crazy like yeah like some some hip-hop shows i've seen like onyx was a was one that i saw where there was just a straight up huge pit happening <laughs> like a huge pit that would have happened at a fucking metal show mm-hmm. happening at the Onyx show. And it was super cool. Um, that that's one group Onyx that really crosses over that. Uh, if you don't listen to hip hop and you like hardcore and metal, check out Onyx because I think that's a good gateway into, uh, some more like aggressive metal adjacent hip hop. All right. Okay. So speaking of metal, you play in a newer band trench, which, I'm a fan of, I, you know, seen some live sets through scoped exposure and I, I always found you guys to be really interesting and, you know, going back, that's why I, I had on Jay Breen and that's why I, I wanted to have you on. You guys just put out a record this past Tuesday blossom. Uh, and I, I ran through it a couple times and I'm really happy with the record. Like I, I was li- literally talking to Spencer yesterday because he, he had asked me if, if I'd listened to the record and I told him that I did. And I was telling him, I'm like, dude, I'm listening to this record. I'm paying attention to the production and I'm trying to find flaws, but like, it just sounds amazing. Like it, it, it like really like, you know, surprises me like how great that record came out and I was like, I'm blown away at like how good it sounds. And like, that's like one thing that I tell people, I'm like, dude, listen to this record. It's like crazy. Oh, thank you, man. That, that means a lot for sure. Um, Blossom was like almost a year in the making. Uh, you mentioned you, the production kind of stood out. I mean, that was one big thing for Blossom that we wanted was really good production on that record. Like we, we wanted to display our art in the, in the kind of most pristine form we possibly could. So uh, good production was like the top of our list. Uh, So we linked up with Jordan Chase. Shout outs to Jordan Chase. He lives in Kelowna, BC, which is like six hour west, six hour drive west of us in Calgary here. So Kelowna, BC is like a beach town almost. It's like a little, people call it Kelowna, Fornia because it's like a little beach town in the summer almost like Mm -hmm. not a ton of people but really sick beaches and uh hot weather and stuff like that so uh we were there for a couple weeks we recorded the record we literally locked ourselves in the studio didn't leave and jordan is 
pretty much a master at what he does. Like he he did our previous EP, The Gift of Guilt, as well. Uh, but this time we got to go in with him and actually have time and uh, we could plan out how long we were going to be there. And we had the songs written, obviously. So we went in and we tweaked as we went. But um, yeah, it was a it was a really cool process. And Jordan, in the end, gave us a really great sounding project that we're proud to show off and uh, have people like you say they appreciated the production of it, you know? So, yeah. And I, I, uh, since I do the podcast, I'm like a little more aware of like production quality and I try to do the best that I can, uh, you know, with my gear and the way that I, uh, you know, do the podcast. So when I hear other people's stuff, I'm always like a critic and curious about how, they get it done. So like when I listen to something like uh, blossom and I hear it, like it, it just sounds immaculate. I'm just like, this is, this is awesome. And I feel like, uh, more bands should try to take that kind of uh, route and like, you know, care and want to have their stuff presented in such a great fashion. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I appreciate that. Cause I'm kind of the same way. Like I really, the production of a record can really sway me, mm-hmm. um, to, to spinning it more than once, I guess. So, yeah, that that's why it was so important to us. And um, having, like Trench, no doubt we are a heavier band. We're tuned very low. Um, we have some intricacies in our music that we just need to come across. And a clear, nice recording was just essential for us. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm very appreciative that you listened to that and. Uh, found that to be nice (laughs) because that's what we wanted that was the goal for sure so trench you guys aren't a like a super traditional metalcore band there's obviously some like experimental elements like where does that come from because obviously like you could have just gone up there played the guitar and just kept it at, at that but you guys you know take it an extra step and you know have different equipment up there and do experimental sounds you know on the record and when you play live yeah, um, <clears throat> we're very, I don't know, everyone in Trench is very uh, open as far as listening to ideas and implementing ideas, and we did we don't really classify ourselves as having like a lane, like we never adhere to one songwriting formula when we're making music. So yeah, I guess that's kind of just all of our ideas combined and all of our influences combined. I guess, uh, you know, Jay plays a synth. So obviously that's all over the record and we play that live as well. And um, it's just, it keeps it interesting for us and it really opens up our ability to write interesting music. Uh, Me with like my production background I wanted to go in and put all sorts of production stuff and samples and beats and stuff on there. So you'll find a lot of that through Blossom. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's a whole amalgamation of genres kind of on one 22 minute album. Which I think is awesome. I I definitely appreciate that because uh, it's it's nice to hear something different because obviously there's, you know, kind of just straightforward metalcore bands and i'm like all right that's cool i I appreciate that but then when i hear something different and get to hear and explore these different sounds i i think it's like super cool cool yeah i'm glad you appreciate it i feel like it can um 
it's accessible to a wide audience for sure. Like you can not necessarily be a huge lover of heavy music and maybe find some elements you enjoy within the record. So yeah, no, I would agree with you for sure. And I always have to ask because I, I, I talk to you know bands from Canada every so often and uh, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, but looking ahead, once we get past the pandemic, do you, you guys want to come to the States to play shows, get out of Canada? Because I, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, so we had a tour that was booked for uh, the summer that was in the States. And it's pretty much in limbo right now. Um, but there's a really, really good chance that it's going to be canceled. I'm pretty much betting my bottom dollar on it. So, mm. uh yeah, we, we definitely had, we already had plans to come there. That tour was booked and like we had our visas and everything like, so uh, yeah, that's going to be like literally next on our list is to come to the States. I'm assuming that tour will be rebooked. So I don't think it's going to be canceled. I would assume it's going to be rebooked, but who knows? It might, I, I don't even know. It's so up in the air, right? But yeah, that's a big goal of ours is to get to the States. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing that I always have to ask because I I feel like you guys have a great sound and with more exposure, I feel like just coming down to uh, California and just getting in front of a different audience who might not be aware of Trench from Calgary, I I feel like that would just do like great things for you guys. Hundred percent, man. Like we we're definitely aware of the benefits of touring like i i really feel like that's something you have to do as a band to um expose your music to people is to play in front of them right so um yeah that's that's a huge goal of ours whenever touring opens up again we're definitely going to be right there with every other band that's waiting and chomping at the bit to go on tour but um yeah we'll we'll be hitting that heavy in 2021 or whenever whenever it starts happening again so okay and i'm curious about the artwork um you guys went to and i've only seen this person's instagram so i'm not really sure um what their real name is but uh water street phantom yeah so his name's stace okay Stace. Um, he is a tattoo artist from vancouver um our singer jay is friends with stace and you know jay and i we're always like looking at artwork or going through music or doing something creatively. So Jay was just like, man, you got to see this guy's artwork. And it was just, it's so trenchy. The guy's amazing. Um, his name's Stace Forand, um, a tattooer in Vancouver. So everything that dude does art wise is super intriguing. And I could see us, continuing with using Stace uh, and almost making it like a series style with our next releases as well, artwork wise. So yeah, if I'm being honest, I, I like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that looks like something, uh, you know, Jay would do. So I was like, all right, I, I just had it in my mind that he did it. But then I, you know, looked at the band camp and saw that you guys credited uh, Stace. And I was like, oh, OK, I was like, he didn't do that. This is crazy. And I was just so curious. I'm like, you know, who this person was. And I went to the Instagram. I was like going through the tattoos that he's done. I was like, OK, this like art style definitely seems very trenchy. So I was like, I, I can see why you guys went with him. For sure. It's like very galactic 
um, spacey with lots of plants and flowers. And yeah, he's an incredibly talented guy. Um, I, I, I like, I asked Jay about doing the artwork for Trench and Jay was just like, man, I'm the singer. I want to kind of remain doing that. I want, you know, Jay wants his favorite artist to be doing the artwork for Trench. So, uh, yeah, that's where Stace came in and he knocked it out of the park with that one. I'm waiting to, I want to like get a huge print of that and put it in my house or something somewhere. Cause I'm super into that art for sure. Okay. And, and just curious, cause I, I noticed, um, when you guys released the singles, um, living in salt and Hellbent gate, uh, yeah. it's a uh, similar artwork, but, um, it, it's, it's like the flower hasn't blossomed yet. Was that? Yeah. I, Jay made those. I think, I think we, those were graphics for our singles. Uh, mm. and we basically incorporated Stace's artwork threw some fonts over it just to have something for Spotify and Apple music basically. Um, but yeah, that was like, we hadn't really shown anyone the artwork when we released those singles. So mm -hmm. we didn't want to really reveal it yet. So, uh, we just kind of teased it, I guess. And Jay made some cool little graphics to put beside those songs. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's cool. It's like, you know, here are the singles, uh, you know, leading up to the record and it has like that flower. And then when you get the record you see it, you know, like uh, blossomed and you see like the, um, I don't know if they're like tigers or cat like creatures inside. It looks insane. But, but I, I thought it was just like a cool like progression kind of like thing with the art. Dude, that's awesome. You say that <laughs> that's super cool. Cause yeah, no, I agree. It's like, it kind of blossoms into that full artwork that Stace did and I don't know if they're tigers or what they are but yeah it's just super awesome very intriguing to look at um the amount of times I've like zoomed in on that art on my computer just to like see what was going on or catching something new I hadn't seen before yeah mm -hmm. it's really awesome art so shout outs to Stace he killed it yeah and I still love that you guys are going with uh, still going with like the whole uh, green theme yeah, yeah. Um, definitely still uh, doing lots of green stuff as far as artwork and merch and stuff goes. Um, we didn't mean to, but we released that record on the anniversary of Peter Steele from Typo Negative's death. Mm -hmm. And we all love that band. And obviously, they're the, you know, the OG green band. Yeah. So that was kind of cool that that panned out that way. And uh, also, you guys, you know, released it in the middle of this pandemic. Was this the original release date of the record? Because uh, I, I do think it's interesting to um, release a new record in, in the middle of this whole crazy thing. I know a lot of stuff like movies and uh, like other people's records. They all just decided to push it back later towards the end of the year to try to, you know, actually have like a, um, you know, release show and stuff like that tied to it. Was that a, a plan or was this always like the original date? Yeah. Uh, this was essentially always the original date. We played around with it a little bit once the the pandemic kind of hit, but not too much. We we were in no rush to be holding this back from anyone. We had been sitting on it for almost a year anyway. So uh, if anything, we were just excited to get it out there and maybe take people's minds off what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I it's, it's really a bummer because we had our whole year uh, planned out touring wise and I know every band is going through that so to release this without going on those tours to support it is a bit of a bold move but you know we have so much 
material in the bank and we're going to be constantly releasing stuff moving forward anyway so we figured why wait let's just let's go and then you know we'll tour once we're able to so yeah it was the original release date with a little bit of movement like a week here and there and we just decided to stick with it okay and we're a like exactly a, a week away from what would have been a wild rose hardcore fest yeah we're a week away from wild rose and um we were about to go on tour with wrist meets razor western canada as well leading up to wild rose so it was about like it was a few days and we were going to be driving to winnipeg to meet up with that tour so yeah very interesting times it's a bummer that uh stuff had to be canceled but hopefully it'll be rescheduled instead of just straight canceled i think that we can probably expect to be doing uh, a lot of the same tour plans when this is all lifted yeah i was really looking forward to it because i had started building relationships uh you know last year like right after or either right after or right before um the last wild rose and I'd be like, shit, like so many cool people, so many awesome bands that I just like found out about and bands that I've known about. And I was like, I got to get out there and finally experience like a real Canadian hardcore show. So I was making plans to actually go out to the fest and then this whole thing happens and literally ruined everybody's plans. Oh, totally, man. It was so unexpected, you know, but um, that's awesome. You were going to come. I think a lot of people this year were, were in the same boat as you like had seen the fest happen, had built relationships with people like Spencer who were recording the fest or what have you. And were planning on making this year, uh, the year that they actually trekked out to it and, and, you know, experienced it in person, but it is what it is. I feel like the fest will, uh, be rebooked eventually. And I feel like, um, it'll move on stronger than ever. I know that's what the boys are planning to do. So, yeah. And that's what I'd look forward to because uh, I, I always hear like so many good things about Calgary and that fest and even like watching the videos from the past years. So I'm you know hoping moving forward, uh, you know, they keep it together and, you know, um, make it happen again. Yeah, it's, it's hard because I know a lot of fests and, bands and artists and promoters and booking agents and everyone have been hit really hard so i'm hoping they're able to keep it moving forward but um you know they they had a good few years and uh i could see them moving forward with this and just making it happen again and and rebooking it with some new dates we'll we'll see what happens for sure but i'm optimistic those guys are really smart um, they're really good at what they do as far as booking festivals and they're, um, really conscious about that. So yeah, I think it'll, it'll turn out for the best for sure. And Calgary's a great city, man. I wish you could have come here and, you know, experienced it, walked around. Yeah. Uh, I think you'd like it. I was definitely excited to get out there for the first time and I, I was, uh, talking to some of the locals and wanting to uh, try a, a donair for the first time oh yeah 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 not like not necessarily um like to me when i think donair in canada like east coast halifax they're they're really really known for their donair but yeah calgary mm -hmm. has amazing donair all over the place uh we in my household we were getting donair 
all the time. <laughs> okay. Like we get it. That's a go-to meal for us for sure is uh, doner, shawarma, um, you know, all that good stuff. So yeah, I was exposed to doner uh, through um, Maddie Matheson. He has a show on YouTube called Just the Dash. And he made it like donairs for like that episode. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I've never heard of this in my entire life. So like I, I reached out to some friends from Canada and they're like, you guys don't have donair in the States. And I'm like, no, like I've never heard of this before. And obviously it was normal for them growing up in Canada. And they were surprised to hear that, you know, me being an American, I've never heard of it before. Yeah. Like for sure. Definitely a staple for me growing up in Calgary. Um, I'm vegetarian. Okay. now so i eat like the falafel wraps and they have like tons of amazing veggie options there but yeah definitely like they put you can get donair pizza you can get donair poutine the whole nine interesting okay and i've always um, wanted to travel to winnipeg because i'm filipino and i know there's like a great filipino community out there cool yeah like winnipeg's a great city that I've played some of the coolest shows in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's one of the coolest looking cities. It's Their downtown is very historic. Uh, some of the best bands in Canada have come out of Winnipeg. Um, Withdrawal is one that comes to mind right off the bat. Um, Comeback Kid, The Weaker Thans, just a lot of good bands come out of Winnipeg. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Winnipeg fan. Trench has never played there. So we were really looking forward to playing there with Wrist Meets Razor, but it'll it'll happen soon. Yeah, and is it um uh, is it normal for bands to do like full Canadian tours? Um, I wouldn't say it's normal. I would say if you're really grinding and you want to be out for a month, you would do a full Canadian tour. It takes a long time to do a full Canadian tour. Um, it's. The cool thing about touring the States is it's broken up by short drives. Like the cities or the towns you play are usually broken up by short drives. I do remember going on some, you know, some lengthier drives for sure. But the thing about Canada is pretty much everywhere you go, uh, you're looking at a decent drive to get to the next show. So mm -hmm. it's, it's quite a trek. Like I said, for me to drive to Toronto would be like 40 or 45 hours from where I'm at. Uh, so it's, it's pretty crazy. We drive, it's about nine hours for us to get to Vancouver. Damn. Yeah. 30, 40 hours. I feel like at that point you might as well just fly. Oh dude, straight up. Like we were going to start our tour on the East coast and we were just going to fly there cause it's a few hour flight versus a few day drive. So yeah, that's, you know, Vancouver driving nine, nine hours with your friends. That's one thing, but uh, driving a few days <laughs> that's another with no shows on the way so um we could play shows in between and make a little route for ourselves out there but i think we're we were just gonna hop on a plane and meet them there okay and during this whole pandemic uh how are you doing with it or are you just like you know trying to stay actually quarantined or are you still like venturing out here and there um, I'm trying to do my part. I'm trying to stay in my house. I'm trying not to interact with people unless I absolutely have to as far as like going to the grocery store and stuff. Uh, I mean, Trench hasn't been jamming. We've been like having Skype jams, essentially, <laughs> and mm -hmm. just hanging out and uh, maybe writing the odd riff or something. But 
Um, yeah, I'm trying to do my part and stay inside patiently along with, with everyone else. Um, being a creative in quarantine, I mean, I always have my guitar that I can play. I can always make beats and stuff. So I'm definitely trying to stay busy and make the most of it for sure. Um, I'm, I wrote an EP, like all my beats with other rappers spitting over it about six or seven songs. So that's kind of been my project along with the trench release through, through quarantine so far. So yeah, uh, just trying to use this weird energy to produce music, I guess. Uh, going back to the Suicide Kings, I was on the band camp and like the last release that I saw was in uh, 2018. Um, is that the last release or am I not looking in the right place? Yeah, I would say, is that the song with Elda Sensei? Yes. That you see? Yeah. So that was probably our last like official um, release. We, we've toured Europe since then. We went over to Europe for a few weeks. I saw that. Um, we have we have a full record recorded mixed mastered ready to go we're just waiting to drop it basically uh but yeah i mean we it's funny because me being in calgary and joe being in detroit like it's far we still work but our release output reflects that right like it'll it usually takes us a little bit to to write and record an album in different cities so uh but you know we'll we're gonna keep it going and hopefully hit Europe once or twice a year as like we have been. And um, it's a really great project for us to just get creative on and do whatever we want on. I was just curious, um, Europe, I, I, I know uh, people travel out there and they'll have a, a crazy fan base. How did you guys uh, develop that fan base out there in Europe? Um, so we put a, a 12 inch out on Knives Out Records from Paris. They were interested in doing a picture disc for us. So our record, uh, Crown of Thorns. So we put out a 12 inch with them. And basically the, the base kind of just started building from there, from releasing the record overseas and them actually being able to get physical copies like in a record store over there really helped us out and our fir first tour over there we um were surprised at how many people had had you know listened to the record or already had it on vinyl so that was a really good introduction for us was uh being lucky enough to release our record on a parisian label i guess i think that's like really cool for us so um it really catapulted us over there and we just kept going like if you go to europe once or twice a year like the fans over there the people that go to shows are very into it they're they're really appreciative of all genres and all sorts of different music um they're very into american and canadian music like very into north american hip-hop for sure so uh, that's already like a very big scene over there. So lots of lots and lots of Canadian acts, uh, hip hop acts, go over to Europe and make a living off Europe once or twice a year for sure. And I, I'm curious uh, when you're going out to that first European tour, uh, as far as like merch and gear, are, are you guys going out with like a full spread, expecting to you know uh, move some numbers, or are you guys going out there with like low quantities and just kind of you know hoping to sell out that stuff? 
dude, we had no idea what to expect on our first time over there. Like we were like no clue how much merch we should bring, whether we should get it printed over there or print like 20 shirts over here and just like bring them in our backpacks. Mm -hmm. Um, we ended up printing, we just came off a Canadian tour before we went to Europe. So we already had all of our merch printed. So we just put them in like army duffel bags and just carried them on the plane with us. Um, our first European tour halfway through, we actually sold out of that merch and we had to find a screen printer, uh, in somewhere, I think it was Belgium and we had to do like a second merch order. So you never know. I mean, like first time over there, we just had no idea what to expect. So, um, I think, moving forward probably printing our merch over there in modest quantities is going to be the move for us um traveling with that on the plane was like definitely a rookie move (laughs) it was expensive and it was very annoying to have to like carry all of our merch yeah i can uh, definitely imagine how annoying that would be and so are, are you having like somebody from the label kind of act as like a tour guide to bring you guys around or are um, you guys familiar enough um, with Europe to navigate on your own? Um, For us, it was pretty much every city or every country we played, we would have a different uh, runner or, or promoter kind of take care of us as far as driving us around and, you know, making sure we got to the venue. Okay. Uh, There were definitely times where, Jay and I were in somewhere like Amsterdam or Germany where we could figure our way out and take trains and explore. Uh, But for the most part, it was, um, I remember through Belgium and Netherlands, we had our own, uh, our driver, the driver of our van was kind of showing us the way, if you will, and uh, getting us to where we needed to go. So I feel like at this point, I'm not confident enough to drive in Europe. (laughs) That's some scary shit for sure. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I could probably get my way around through trains and stuff like that. Yeah. And as far as um, like your equipment, are are you just going out with like a laptop or you, you got turntables? Uh, yeah. So I go out with the laptop and usually at the show I will have the equipment I need. So like a couple of turntables and a rain mixer is usually what I need for us to play our shows. So most clubs that we play over there have that stuff already, Mm -hmm. uh, just like a club in Canada or the States that we would play. So, um, we, we send like a gear list to them before we go out on tour and just so they ensure they have the right gear for us to, to show up with. Cause again, um, I would love to bring my mixer out, but it's we're out there for so long and you only have finite amount of things you can bring out there. So if it can be supplied, amazing. Uh, it's really cool that most of the venues we would play out there would have that stuff or, or similar gear that I would be able to use. Okay. I, I always find that like pretty interesting. Like, especially like when bands would like, you know, fly out for like fest, uh, I'm always curious, like, okay, is it like more reasonable for them just to borrow somebody's equipment that's local instead of having to like lug, you know, their amps and their guitars 
And I, and for sure. yeah, cause I know obviously like uh, drum sets for fast, like, you know, there's like a house drum set and people just switch out like the snares and stuff. So I was always like, you know, curious, like what's the process on like how bands decide if they're going to bring their own like amps or guitars to the totally. fest. I mean, when you talk heavy ba- or like bands that need equipment, you know, I yeah. guess any band that would need like equipment, like, so when I'm in Suicide Kings, I'm going out there with, I'm going out there DJing and other than a microphone for, for Jay, that's the only equipment we really need. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking in a band setting with, you know, a couple four by 12 cabs, uh, a bass cab, a drum set, you know, we have like synths and samplers and stuff. Um, I think every band approaches it differently. Uh, I know some bands even like just buy gear and keep it out there in a storage locker because they're in Europe three times a year and it warrants them going to do that kind of stuff. Uh, I know companies also exist for bands to go over and just like rent the gear gear they need for the time they need and kind of make it like an easy experience for you. Um, I feel like that's what we would do if Trench made it over there. Um, I feel like we would just kind of rent the gear we need for the time we need and then bring our guitars over and our you know, the snare and the, the real essentials. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, what about like your like program stuff? Is that just, uh, for trenches that all done on your, your laptop or do you have like special equipment for all that stuff? Um, to program the trench stuff, I use an MPC 2500. So it's a, it's an Akai it's made by, uh, the company Akai and it's a analog drum machine sampler kind of, synth i guess okay and for me that is essential for me to like play our samples live and have on stage so uh that would be something that i would have to bring over to europe if we were going to play shows over there same with jay he uses a a micro korg so i mean he would either i it has so many like weird unique sounds on it that are on that hard drive of his synth that I'm sure he would have to take that out there. Like there, he wouldn't be able to, to replace that, you know? So yeah, there, there's things that we definitely need and live in a live setting. Um, there are things that like our pedals can handle and the, the sound guy can handle and stuff, but for all our weird like samples and electronic stuff, I do that through my MPC. And how big is that thing? Cause like, I don't even know what it looks like. Yeah, um, it's it's like the size of I don't know, like a carry-on suitcase, I guess. Like oh. it's pretty small, okay. maybe smaller than that. Like um, it's a little like drum pad. Um, it has sixteen pads on it and a bunch of knobs and a little tiny screen, like a little LCD screen. It's not even like a computer screen or anything you're it's it's a very like archaic uh sampler that i just love i use it for all my hip-hop stuff too um but yeah that's i i essentially pre-program a lot of the samples into the pads on there uh so i have like a lot of control when we play live i can start them stop them pitch them up pitch them down turn them up turn them down like it just gives me a lot of control for playing that trench stuff live. We don't want to play to a track or anything like that. We want to be able to play anything that you hear on the record uh, in a live setting as well. 
That's interesting because I, I feel like it would be just so much easier just to kind of hit play and just like have the timing. But I, I also think it's cool that you guys are um, you know willing to you know uh, not play to a track and actually do it live. Totally, we've we've gone through this like as a band so many times. Whether like what our best plan of attack is for playing uh, with samples and to you know samples that keep a time. It's not just you know the sample plays and you can come in whenever it's there's sample plays and there's a time when tom would have to come in with the drums or something like that so and we we really found that just like playing it live and cranking our monitors live and everything was the best way to go for us and uh very like organic uh it gives everyone kind of space to breathe and and um like if they're a little bit off time or a little fast or something it's not a huge deal so yeah it's a it's a cool thing. It definitely makes playing our sets a little more challenging, but um, it's definitely worth it to be able to play live everything that you would hear on the album. Yeah, and I I think it's cool because I, I hate when I like my, my biggest pet peeve when I go to hip hop shows is when uh, rappers will have like a vocal track and they're just kind of going like ham and not even really like rapping the songs and I'm just like why am I here like I feel like I'm just listening to the record and seeing these guys just jump around right yeah no and it's the worst when you hear a rapper you you know over their own vocal tracks and their own vocal doubles and their own acapellas and stuff and they could have just played the track (laughs) right so I'm with you on that one for sure it's like um with hip-hop I feel like that's really important. You really got to showcase the production and the vocals and the mix and all that stuff live. I think that's really important that you just don't put on an MP3 with your voice already on it and go to town. Yeah, I remember the, the first time I experienced that. I was like, I was like, wait, is he lip syncing? And then I was like, oh wait, no. I'm like, I was like, it's just a vocal track, and like, it got me like really confused. Like, what is going on? I was like, this is yeah, this is like like i guess it's like it was still like a like a a fun experience just the energy but just knowing that he didn't have to like give like his full uh, attention to the performance i was just like kind of like yeah i felt like a little slighted right because you know you're paying money to go to that show and like see this performer and yeah i hear you for sure on that so yeah that's why for for suicide kings it's very important to us that we're giving you like a very organic experience like you would hear on the record yeah, and I'm sure like people actually like appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know when you're when you're a band or an artist, when people see you live, a, a huge compliment is that you sound exactly like the record, or you sound like the record. So, uh, yeah, we we take that to heart for sure. Yeah, and I it's always like a fun thing when when you like walk out uh of the you know show or even during the show and you're kind of like shit this sounds so good they do sound like the record like it's not like overproduced or like their you know vocals aren't like you know super messed with it's like that's how they actually sound like that's always like a good feeling yeah there's something cool about like a rawness of a live performance too that intrigues me like something cool about um just you know the whether the sounds good or the sounds bad or what have you just like watching the artists kind of do what you hear on that record live is is a really cool experience so yeah yeah i i always have fun uh, watching the drummers play live me too 
Yeah, I could watch the drummer of Trench, Tom, play all day and night. Like, I'm I'm perplexed by drummers. It's funny you say that because I'm the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm stoked on like you know uh, scoped exposure, one nine seven media, hate five six. When they come out with these drum cams, I'm like, okay, this is this is fun to watch because I, I I like when they just kind of like isolate and it's just like the. Um, audio from the drums and you're just kind of watching it from a different angle and like the actual performance is happening in like the background but like it's like the main focus is the drummer i, I think that's like always really fun to watch because I, I always find it interesting watching them play live for sure me too i think like if i'm watching a band live i'm usually watching their drummer for the majority of it um i watched spencer's scoped drum cams like I think they're great. Uh, it's it's super fun to watch how the drummer is like executing these songs live, and um, I can't. I don't have the ability to watch Tom all the time, so to be able to watch him through the scope drum cam is freaking awesome. I lo- I love it. Yeah, I think channels like that need to have more drum cams <laughs> for real. Yeah, I'm 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 glad it's a thing because like for a while like there was no drum cams and then uh, I'm not sure who started that trend, but I, I'm just happy it's a thing and um, people do it. Cause it's, it's always fun to watch it, especially, uh, you know, even like the more like intricate bands, like the crazier stuff. It's, it's always fun to watch. And like, I'm always blown away. Like how the hell do they do that? Cause it's like so much coordination. For sure. Yeah. I love it. And I think like the drum community sticks tight as far as like gear they use and technique and stuff like that. So for, if anything, it's a great resource for all these drummers to get together and watch each other play and learn things and stuff like that. So, I never even thought about it that way. That that is definitely a good thing because uh, that is true. Because they could definitely go watch and see the technique and you know figure out and see how they actually do it live. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like I'm always curious when I listen to records, like what the guitar player is doing or what the drummer is doing at that second. So if I have the chance to see that band live, I'm always looking at that minute, like who's doing what, <laughs> you know? So I, that's why I think drum cams are so cool. Cause you just get a whole unedited, just, you know, full one shot of the drummer. It's sick. Okay. Well, this has definitely been awesome being able to talk to you, Cole. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you willing to talk about uh, Gravemaker because I feel like that was so long ago, but I'm, I've always been a fan, so I'm definitely stoked on that. And I'm really, really stoked on that new Trench record. I obviously, you know, it's funny is um, when you uh, DM me, I think it was um, earlier today, I, I had posted, um, I, I had uh, like announced that the podcast is now on Spotify. And, okay, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, and if you look at the screenshot, obviously I'm, I'm like, you know, showing an image of the actual podcast, like the latest two episodes that I just put up. Um, but if you notice like what I'm listening to, it's like, you know, I'm listening to, to the trench record. So that was like a little thing. I'm like, you know, like kind of like dropping hints here and there, you know, trying my best to, you know, shout you guys out and, you know, promote you guys the best that I can. Cause I, I think, you know, uh, more people should be listening to you guys and i just want to help you know um, put you guys out there and make people more aware of uh, this awesome band from calgary dude i appreciate that so much i did see that you were listening to trench when you posted that so much appreciation for that but yeah man i think what you're doing is great like you're interviewing bands of all levels and genres and stuff like that so 
Um, I'm very, very honored to be on your podcast talking to you and uh, spreading the, the word of Trench for sure. Hell yeah. Well, before we sign off, is there anything you want to shout out or plug? Um, I think the only thing I want to talk about right now is the new Trench record. So go listen to it. Trench Blossom streaming everywhere. Um, that's it. All right. Listen. Well, there you guys have it. Thank you again, Cole. Thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Always on top.